This is Pastor Simak from the Potter's House, Pam Muir. The sermon was written on the 14th of March, 2021. And the title of the sermon is The Basics of Prayer. Would you turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, a portion of Scripture that should be familiar to us because on Wednesday night we looked at this in Bible study. Uh, Like I mentioned in the announcements, we had a fantastic Bible study. Uh, Do not miss the next one. Uh, It's an exciting time uh, what God is doing in that medium. Uh, But during Bible study, we were talking about uh, teaching people the basics of prayer. Now that we've got some things down, hallelujah, can you say amen? Uh, Now that we've got some things down in our prayer life, the challenge is then, how do I then teach others or when new people come in or when I explain it to my friends or my family, how do I explain prayer to them? Because unfortunately, most people view prayer as like some words that you chant uh, that have some mystical Meaning, uh, but don't really have any power. And let me uh, say first and foremost that prayer has power. Prayer has power. One of the comments that came out of Bible study on Wednesday uh, was that I've been praying uh, my whole life, but it wasn't until I got saved and came to the potter's house that I realized that prayer has power. Uh, It's not just some empty words. It's not just some part of the service where we all, the the pastor says something and then you all repeat afterwards. This isn't like a game that we play. Uh, We're going to pray now. Okay. And whoever's the quietest, you get 10 points. And when it's your turn to pray, whoever speaks the holiest, you get more points. Uh, And we laugh, but sometimes that's how people treat prayer. I read about a group of people that had a Bible study in a certain city. They wanted a pastor to be sent to that city. And when they spoke to the head office of the denomination, the man in charge said, how big, a, how big of a man do you want? In other words, he was saying, how much experience do you want that pastor to have? And this small Bible study, they said, listen, we're not very particular about their experience. uh, But when he's on his knees, we want him to be able to touch heaven. And let me tell you that that right there is the key to prayer. Because in prayer, we must be able from earth to reach heaven. We must be able on earth to touch heaven. That's why we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. As it is in heaven, let it be on earth. What we're saying is God with the same way, with the same freedom that you move in heaven, we want that to happen on earth. And I know that's simple and I know we understand that. Oh, but church, if we could just get a hold of what prayer is. And listen, we've had some fantastic gains this year. 
this year. We've had some fantastic gains as a church in prayer. Uh, we've established a morning prayer at our building. It's a fantastic thing that we've uh, had. But listen, here we are three months on in March. And we could even be coming every morning for morning prayer. And look, I don't know about you, but sometimes it could be a bit dry. If you don't come in with the mindset that, you know what, every time I pray, I must reach heaven. I'm not just speaking some words and just hoping for the best. God, I need you to get involved here. So I want to preach a sermon that I've entitled The Basics of Prayer. The Basics of Prayer. Let's look at Matthew chapter 7. And we're going to start at verse 7. These are the words of Jesus. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everybody who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you? If his son asks for bread, will you give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, Will you give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Let me look at three simple thoughts here this morning, and then we're going to pray. The first thought here is asking. Asking. Because this morning there are three Basic principles that Jesus gives us in prayer. It's almost three levels of prayer that we can look at. And the first one is asking. The question must be, how do we get the power of God in our lives today? How do we get the power of God to reach down to where we are today? You see, this is very, very important to God. There are things that God has planned in His will for us. You do understand that God has a will for you. God has a plan for your life. We're not just going through life hoping for the best. There are things that God has planned in His will. There are things that God has paid for with his blood. There are things that God has promised in his word that can only be unlocked through prayer. We have to have this revelation that prayer is essential. It is not just a side product. It is not just me speaking to God uh, and trying to do some religious exercise. But there are things that God has planned, paid for, and promised that you will never see, never see in your life unless you ask. You see, prayer is not trying to talk God into something. Sometimes we view prayer and we're like, oh, please, God. Oh, please, God, if, if it's not too much trouble, could you do this? <laughs> you see, God doesn't have to be convinced into this it's what he wants to do there is a willingness on God's part look at verse 11 
says, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? See, the first and most simple principle in prayer is that you have to ask for things to happen. In verse 7, it says, ask and it will be given to you. Ask and it will be given to you. Let me tell you that you make a mistake if you think that things are just going to happen automatically. You know, what we're going to do is we're going to move to New Zealand and we're going to hire a hall and we're just going to set up a hall, put a sign up outside. And uh, just because we put up a sign up outside, the sign looks pretty good and people are just going to come. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen automatically. There has to be prayer. We have to ask God. You know what? Uh, There are things that aren't just going to happen automatically. We've uh, lived a whole life of sin. Our minds are messed up and twisted. And then, hallelujah, we get saved. And then we get frustrated that not everything's fixed in one week. In one year. I mean, you've spent the last 20 years making a mess. You spent the last, however long, you spent this much time making a mess. And we serve a miracle working God. Can you say amen? Uh, But in prayer, again, there are certain things, God, you're going to have to ask. I had to ask God when I first got saved. God, help me control my anger. God, help me with my money. Guide me, direct me, show me where things are going wrong. God, help me with my kids. I I know that I'm being selfish, but I don't know how to change. Show me. Help me. Ask. James chapter 4 verse 2. It says, you have not because you ask not. You have not because you ask not. There are certain things that God wants to give us. I read this illustration uh, that said that it, it, it's, it's not a true story. It's a hypothetical. But it said that in heaven, one man thinks in heaven there must be a room, uh, a delivery room of all these parcels and postage parcels uh, that are sitting there in this room. And then they had to buy another room in heaven and another room in heaven. And they kept filling it up with all these parcels. And the label on every single one of these parcels was, uh, this would have gone down to earth, but they didn't ask. Now think of how many times are there things that God wants to give us, but we don't ask. 17 times in the Gospels, 18 times in the epistles, we are challenged to ask. In our text, it says, ask and it will be given to you. In Matthew 21, verse 22, whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive. In James chapter 1, verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask. In John chapter 14, verse 13, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. You see, asking involves specifics. Asking involves specifics. We've spoken about this in other times, that you cannot just be mentally vague in prayer. How many know that when when you got saved, 
you all of a sudden you you sat in the prayer room, uh, you heard me pray, you heard others pray from other churches, and you pick up different things and different language. It's cool. It's cool. You learn different things. But then as Christians, one of the problems is that we can learn Christianese. We can learn little Christian words. And that's how we pray now. And we never really engage our brains. I'll tell you, I could pray for 10 minutes saying, Oh, Father God, would you move? Oh, God, touch them. Yes, God, bless them. Yes, God, bless the whole world, God, and bless our community. It's like, what does any of that mean? Nothing. Nothing. We don't actually know what we're actually praying for. God, touch, bless, move, uh, help. And we're actually never praying for anything specific. And then as Pentecostals, uh, we add some things, right? We got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. We're speaking in tongues. So after we bless, help, move, uh, we add a couple of uh, shandar, abibis, and different things. And, and then uh, we're back to the bless, help, move again. And you stretch that out and 10 minutes have gone past and I've, I've had a good prayer session. God wants us to be specific. You see, part of prayer is using your mind to work out what the problem is, what the problem you are having, and ask for specifics that will fix that problem. Ask yourself, what will it take for things to be changed or different? What will it take? Jesus asked the blind man in Mark 10, 51. Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? Obviously, he's blind. (laughs) What do you want me to do for you? But what Jesus wants him to say is, I'm blind. I want to see. Praise him. The blind man did not say, listen, I need a touch from God. Would you bless me? And again, I, I understand those terms. And sometimes we talk about that. But when we pray, let's be specific. In 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 17, here's the prophet Elisha. He's together with his apprentice there. They're in this house and the Syrian army is surrounding the house, coming to attack them. And, but Elisha, he sees what's going on. He sees that the army of God is much bigger than the army of the Syrians. But his assistant is freaking out. And Elisha prays in 2 Kings 6 verse 17 that he says, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Specific. Open his eyes that he may see what's around us. You see, more than just I spent 10 minutes, 30 minutes, one hour in morning prayer. Listen, hallelujah for a Christian discipline that we've been building uh, I've prayed before the service. So I've prayed before I went to work. I prayed with the kids before bed. That's fantastic. What did you ask him? What did you ask him? As a church, we've been praying for a while about the lost. God, bring people in. God, save people. That's great, and they're things that we should pray. But what are the specific issues that are keeping people from getting saved? What are the specific issues that are keeping your family members from getting saved? Is it the love of money? Is it an addiction? Is it pride? Is it a relationship? 
Is it an offense? Is it the boys? Is it the girls? Is it the mama? Hallelujah. What are some problems with people staying in our church? Maybe they get saved and they don't stay. Maybe it's the love of the world. Maybe they come in and God help us. Help me to be friendly to them. God, uh, maybe they're hopeless. Is it the pool of something? Uh, is it mama? <laughs> in finances. Oh God, bless my money. He wants to bless your money. You don't have to pray that. He wants to bless your money. But what is it specifically? God, I need a job. Uh, God, I need a pay rise in my job. Uh, God, uh, uh, I... I'm earning this much with this many kids. God, I need you to get me a job at this salary. Do you believe that God could do that? As I'll tell you, I have seen that time and time and time again. I need more hours. I need, uh, I need to get out of debt. What's the problem with your finances? Have you lost a job? No discipline. Overspending. Is it mama? <laughs> I remember meeting uh, last year with my boss, Dan Reddix. And again, I, I would never have been standing here today in 2021, working a part-time role with a reasonable level of finances. Uh, I never would have been able to do that if last year I didn't ask. And in prayer, I said, God, there has to be a change here. I can't keep balancing all these things. I need to go part time. It's impossible. They don't do part time roles at my school, especially for jobs like mine. Uh, but somehow I have to ask. And I knew with prayer as my foundation, I went and spoke to my boss. I presented him the thing. It took him six months to get back to me. Six months to get back to me. In that time, we prayed and praised God. God did a miracle then. Let's look secondly then at seeking. Because there are things that we can ask for, but there is much in life that we just do not know. There is much in life when you think, okay, I can ask for things that I know, but what about things that I don't know? What, what if I don't know how to fix that issue what if god i need direction i don't know who i don't know when i don't know how that means god says you need to seek me he that seeks me will find me this is an active i'm looking for something that i don't know god you know the miracle is that when we get saved we don't have to do it on our own anymore. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? It's not, just, it's not just me and my own mind. It's not just me and my friends. Me and my house. Me and my culture. Me and, me and the history of the past. Now you've got added your little brain. And I'm included in that. Hallelujah. Your little brain. Now together with God's infinite knowledge. Let me chuck out a big word for you here that's going to help you is that God is omniscient. Oof. 
omniscient. O-M-N-I, omniscient, is all one word. O-M-N-I-S-R-C-I-E-N-T. I'll give that to you later if you miss that. God is omniscient. It means He knows everything. He knows the past from the future, from the current situation. He knows what is going on in your life. And guess what? He knows how to fix it. He knows how to fix it. In Isaiah chapter 44, uh, there's a chapter there in the Bible that has flipped out atheists for a long time. Because in Isaiah chapter 44, the prophet Isaiah starts to talk about a king called Cyrus, who's going to be the Persian king. His name is Cyrus, and he's going to release the people of God and allow them to go back to Jerusalem. There was a problem here, though, that when Isaiah wrote this, it was 150 years before Cyrus was king. It was a hundred years before Cyrus was even born. And yet God knows the name, the person, how to fix it and what's going to happen. What does that mean to us today in 2021? What that means is that we have problems and God knows exactly how to fix it. God knows the name of the people involved. God knows the situation and how it's going to happen. In John chapter 6, here the disciples, they're following Jesus. And they get to this problem. Jesus, there's 5,000 people that are following you. What are we going to do with these people? (laughs) They're hungry. What are they going to do? And in John chapter 6, verse 6, Jesus says to Philip, Jesus says, Uh, where shall we buy bread that all of these people may eat? But then in verse 6, it says that Jesus said this to test Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. John 6, 6, he already knew what he was going to do. He says to Philip, here it is, but he already knows the miracle that he's going to do. You see, God does not have problems. I know this is basic here this morning, but this is going to help us. He's not up there stressing like we are. (laughs) Oh God, I just, I don't know, I can't figure it out. God's got it figured out. He's just waiting for us to get on board. Last week, I mentioned uh, a precious sermon on casting your net again. Spoke in previous sermons about uh, striking the ground uh, seven times, not three times. About doing things a certain number of times. In John chapter 21 verse 6, they're facing the same problem again. And Jesus says, why don't you throw your net out on the right side? You see, God has strategies. God has people. You have to believe that Jesus, he knows where the fish are. I said, he knows where the fish are. He knows where the converts are. He knows where the jobs are. He knows where the money is. He's not there trying to rack his brain to figure it out. And not only does he know, but he wants to share that information with his children. Hallelujah. In Daniel chapter 2, verse 28. 
Daniel says there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. There is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. What is he saying? He's saying my God knows stuff and he's willing to tell me. He's willing to show me. Later on in the Bible, Peter, he has a debt problem. And Peter has this debt. He's he's following Jesus, doesn't know how to figure it out. And Jesus is almost like, you know what, Peter, what you need to do, just take a break today. What you need to do, go fishing. And the first fish that you catch, it's going to have a coin in its mouth. Pull out the coin and go pay your debt. Finish it up and then pick pick up where you were at and keep following me. He knows exactly where the money is, where the fish is at, where the solution is, where the strategy is. He's got this down. You see, part of seeking is that we must seek God. I know that's very simple. But part of seeking is that we must seek God. So many times, listen, so many times we're consumed with our problem. And we bring that to prayer. And so many times our prayers are only, God, I need you to fix this and fix this and fix this. And all I focus on is, God, I need you like an ATM. I've put in my time and I need you to fix this, God. But I tell you, sometimes your solution is you just need to seek God. You need to get closer to Him. Build relationship with Him. That's why it's important that you read your Bible and pray as a, not just as a discipline, but to get relationship. God, I need to hear from you. Let me tell you that the closer you are to God, the more chance you have that you can hear His voice. The amount of times that we're in our house and we're calling out to our kids and, uh, and so I'm calling out to the kids. I'm like, can you hear me? They finally come down. They're like, can you hear me? And they said, yes. And I said, what did I say? I don't know. And how many times are we exactly the same? God, we hear you, but we have no idea what you're saying. When you come closer to God, that's when you can hear his voice. Elijah in 1 Kings 19 He heard God in a still, small voice. We must seek God. And the second part of seeking is that prayer is finding out what we don't know. This is totally different from uh, where we were at Bible study on Wednesday. And uh, and people were saying, you know what, I, I can't believe I knew about prayer, but I never thought it had power. I never thought it actually worked. There was something supernatural here, right? Is that you must be able, God can show you what you don't know in prayer. Hallelujah. We must have the wisdom of God for our situation. On Monday night, Jesse and I went down to Hamilton. And in the men's D, we're down there. What did they preach on? Uh, It's all the the men. Are we there? We're going to preach about, you know, having authority over our wives uh, uh, being the men of God. What are we actually preaching on? Uh, I'll tell you what the sermon was on. Having wisdom. Bozo. Idiot. You know, it's like, 
Here you are, man of God. You call yourself a man of God and there's nothing of God in your thinking. And before all the women say, mm-hmm, amen, uh, I wonder how much of God is there in your thinking, woman of God? Or are you just going off what you know naturally or what's happened, what you've done in the past or experience or what other people are doing? Wisdom says I need to get what God thinks into my life. I need wisdom, not the wisdom of 2021. Not the wisdom of what's woke, not the wisdom of our culture, of our friends, but what does God say for my life? And part of prayer is asking the question, is there something that I need to see, God? Is there something that I need to see in James chapter 1 verse 5? If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. I tell you that most of the times we struggle with things in life and we could put your own situation in the blank. We struggle with dryness. We struggle with our marriage, with our families, with our relationships, with our parenting, with our money. But most, most of the times we struggle with those things because we're doing things off our own wisdom and making foolish mistakes. Oh, if we would seek the wisdom of God. Hallelujah. God, show me in prayer. Show me the strategy to meet that need. Give me direction. And in the same way that God, I'm asking you specifics. God, would you give me specific direction? In 2 Samuel chapter 5, David prays and asks God, shall we go up against the Philistines? God, should we go and attack over there or should we stay? And God says, yes, go and attack. Then the next time he says, should we go up again? And God says, no, don't go. I want you to go around the back and wait for me until you hear the signal. And again, God's specific gives us direction. He could give us direction just like that. Let's look finally then at knocking and move through this quickly. Because the simple reality is that there is opposition. There is opposition. Some of you, you're sitting there and you're thinking, you know what, this is a great sermon, Pastor, uh, but I've been asking and there's no answer. I've been seeking and there's no answer. Uh, and, and, and there's a problem there that now we have to reconcile is does God not tell the truth? Is He lying to me? No. The truth is that there is opposition. Everything that God wants to do in our life, the enemy will fight. Every good thing and good step that we take individually and as a church, the enemy will fight. Let me give you an example. Last week I called. Uh, I've been praying a lot about potentially moving buildings uh, and different things like that. And last week I called a real estate agent. Uh, we, and we spoke on the phone and she didn't hang up on me, which was a good start. Uh, and I told her, listen, I'm interested in this building in particular. Uh, and, I, and I said, this is who I am. I'm from the Potter's house. We've been here for almost three years. 
And it's like a fight every time for people to know who we are and what we're... And this lady on the phone, entirely demonically inspired, but very nice. She said to me, oh, Chris, you're the pastor from the Potter's house. Like, yeah, that's us. She says, I don't think you need to move anywhere. She says, that's a a great building you have there. And and your rent would be very cheap there. You're in amongst all of the houses there. And and you have lots of traffic coming around the front here. She says, I think you should stay where you are. Like, you... And I... Literally, she said every exact reason why not to move that I've been praying against and working through. And she doesn't know who we are, what our conversation is. But again, every step that we take, the devil is going to oppose exactly against us. That means that we must need to knock. We must knock. And knocking shows us that we must persist in doing this. It's not just once. It's not just twice. But God, I am coming against the opposition. When God tells the people to go into the promised land, uh, they go in there and they say, listen, there are giants. There's an opposition God tells the people of God to go and take Jericho and they say there's walls, there's opposition. I don't know if we could do this. In 1 Corinthians 16 verse 9, Paul writes and he says, For a great and effective door has opened to me, but there are many adversaries. There are many that are against us. You see, and praying is not only asking God, not only seeking God in wisdom, but part of prayer is battling through in prayer and knocking down the opposition. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, Jesus says, And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What's he speaking of here? He's saying to bind is to tie up. To bind is to tie something up. In other words, it's to say no. No, I'm not going to accept that. I'm not going to believe that. No, I'm not going to accept the false religion uh, that you brought into our house, family member. No, I'm not going to accept that choice that you, I'm not going to accept that. I'm binding that in prayer. I am not going to accept that that's the way things are going to be. I bind that. I tie that up. And I loose. That means to release. Is to say yes. There are things that are needed. I tell you, what is going to change Things in our loved ones' lives, when especially people when they come into the church, they understand, they've heard the gospel. What they need more than anything else is revelation. Is God loose revelation? Show them God. This is not just another church. This is not just another service. But God, show them their sin. Show them who they are. And show them what you've done. Bring revelation. You see, this is the miracle of God. That God lets us speak supernatural power into natural circumstances. 
Let me say that again. That God lets us speak supernatural power into natural circumstances. Jesus went and he prayed for this man with a deaf ear. And he said to the deaf ear, be opened. He spoke to the deaf ear. He spoke supernatural power to the natural circumstance. And we could pray and we could say, God, open doors. Open doors in opportunities, in jobs, in business. God, give us outreach opportunities. Give us favor like the favor that we're having in in GI Mall. Uh, Give us buildings, God. Uh, I don't care what she says. I don't care that that they say it's too expensive. Uh, God, it's not too expensive for you. You can open the door. I don't care if it's unavailable. God, you can open the door. You can make it work. God has a plan. God knows how this is going to work. And we must partner with God. In prayer, men spurn our appeals, reject our message, oppose our arguments, despise us, but they are helpless against our prayers. One man said. Let me finish with this, and I really do ask, I know I've gone a bit longer here today, but would you help me, especially over the next month? We are a revival in just over a month's time. And would you partner with me and partner with God that we would ask, seek and knock over this next month? Again, we're going to just for our church, for our families, for our own lives. Part of that is not just praying. God bring in people. God bring in people. God bring in people. Uh, Hallelujah. We're going to pray and we're going to knock on that door. But personally, would you seek God personally? Seek relationship with God. Things are getting dry. Seek relationship with God. Imagine if we could light that fire in us again. So that by the time revival comes, Pastor Dan and the Onihanga Church, they're just pouring fuel on the fire that's already there. And partner with me in prayer. Let's continue to knock specifically. There's opposition against us. You know that the devil does not want this to work. He does not want you to stay saved. He does not want your family to make it. And you have a choice. You have a choice. Are you going to say, okay, well, that's just the way it is. Or you can speak supernatural power into natural circumstances. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray.